Great. Um, I believe we can now start um, the conversation, having that we have a, a few people listening in, and um, let's hope that more people will join us as we are carrying on. As I earlier mentioned, my name is Penda Ochola, um, hospital psychologist at Chiromo Hospital Group, and I will be hosting um, today's session. This is... World, um, World Mental Health Awareness Month, the entire month of May. And this is a key part in terms of uh, mental health advocacy because um, through this month, mental health, mental health advocates, mental health champions all over the world are working on um, furthering the mental health uh, message. And as Chiromo Hospital Group, um, we are joining in this um, initiative in this activity. And the best way to start this is by going all the way um, back to beginnings. Us creating a platform to discuss mental health in the most uh, basic way of it. Uh, hence the topic Mental Health 101. We had uh, this conversation starting off with a Twitch chat on Monday. And today we'll be having a raw, candid conversation on Mental Health 101, still on the same topic. Um, and I'm glad that you have a few um, speakers who have joined us um, and, and, and more listeners bound to join in. And let me start by opening the platform up with um, check check in question. Let me start with uh, Chantal. On a, on a scale of one to 10, how would you describe your mental health? So on a scale of one to 10, I would, uh, I would rate my mental health as at a, a seven currently. Yeah, at a seven. Nice. Um, thank you so much, Antal, for that and um, uh, and for joining us uh, for this conversation. Let me move on to Naila. Um, I'd like to, you know, invite a brief introduction and also same, same question. How would you describe your mental health on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Naila. Um, I'm the external relations officer at Storylink and I'm also a mental health blogger. So on the scale of one to 10, I'd say six. Yeah, and it's very important to actually um, know how you're faring on day to day. So that's why we are discussing mental health today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you, Naila, for that um, and for disclosing, um, you know, this this is a this is a question that is it's a check-in question and I'm glad that we have this opportunity for each and every one of us to say how we're doing uh, this far. Let me go over to Catherine. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing in terms of your mental health today? Uh, thank you so much. My name is Catherine Wanjiro. I'm an author, mental health author, and I'm so happy to be here today. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I think today I would rate it at uh, 7. Yesterday, I think it was at uh, maybe 5 <laughs> because I woke up so anxious of, you know, just some, some sometimes these government projects, they interrupt how you live and all those things. So unfortunately, in my home place, we, would, we will be affected by one of the dams that um, His Excellency President Ruto mentioned that will be constructed. So it's been a week of a lot of anxiety. We are waiting for the ruling tomorrow, but we are really not waiting for anything different to happen. But today I would say with support from my friends and family, I'm feeling a bit calmer. Thank you. Over to you. 
Wow. Um, thank you so much, Catherine, for adding um, that bit, attributing, um, you know, the state of your mental health um, yesterday to what you're going through as compared to what you're going through today. Uh, and I hope all go goes well um, in your favor. And, um, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned perhaps will be part of the conversation as a carry on. So thank you so much, uh, Catherine, for sharing that. Let me move over to Amboy. How are you doing today? When, on a scale of one to tell, um, how is your mental health? Hello. Um, on a scale of one to ten, I will say that um, currently um, it's, a, it's a four. Four being the like my mental health is really down right now because I'm trying to maneuver something but it's not working currently right now I'm doing something but it's not working so um yeah I will describe it at that mm -hmm. oh, um thank you so much Wamboy uh, for that um I find this to be very powerful because um over the past um, years, social media has been used as this tool to mask and, and show everyone that we're all doing great, that we're all flourishing, that we're all um, at 100. Uh, but having this platform to, to, to describe how we're doing is bringing in that humane aspect to it. Today we are doing well, the next day we are not doing um, um, so well. And it's important and very powerful for us to see these differences when it comes to how we're doing um, with regards to our mental health. And I'm more than uh, glad that we have this platform where we're able to discuss this. Let me also introduce um, Sound Mental Health Foundation. Um, invite you to also Briefly introduce yourself and see how you're doing on a scale of one to ten. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, Nina, I'll be speaking on behalf of Sound Mental Health. Um, today, on a scale of one to ten, I am around seven point five. I mean, it has not been a good day so far, but I'm so positive that things will be fine. Um, I think I've also gotten support from friends. I know with the hopes that things will be fine. But generally, I think I have coping skills. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you said Nina. I want to hope that I got the, the right name. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and joining the conversation by sharing how you're doing. Um, moving on to you know the next bit of this conversation, something that Catherine said, and also Nina has mentioned, the aspect on friends, family, um, helping you navigate the current mental state um, that you're in or you were in. Um, Perhaps my next question would be, what role do relationships and social connections uh, play in our mental health? I want to leave it open to you know anyone who would like to go first. Oh, thank you, let me start. <laughs> I, I believe like the role of uh, relationships and social connections can either be positive or negative. It mainly depends on the nature of the relationship that you are in. It could be work, friends, or, or even just the social community that you are in. Uh, when we talk about relationship, we also need to group them as healthy or unhealthy. And with healthy relationships, you find that when you are in a healthy connection with other people, you feel more connected to them. 
you if you are suffering from if you're feeling anxious they sometimes they are able to even help you to reduce the anxiety whatever is causing the anxiety it can be through consolation from uh, they tell you what you really need to hear sometimes they could uh, help you to understand co different coping mechanisms that you can implement they can also help you to improve your esteem the way you see yourself if you are not confident in doing something they can also help you in that if for instance uh, you are anxious about a job application and you have a friend who has maybe been through the applications the interview process and all that talking to such a person can really help you to understand that it's a normal phase it's normal to feel anxious and they can also give you tips on how to reduce the, the anxiety and even prepare way better for the session over to you and yeah Thank you, Catherine, um, for that. And I see sound, uh, Nina from Sound Mental Health is, um, you know, um, reacting to that. Would you like to add on to what Catherine said? Yes, I can add on by saying when you are connected probably to friends or even family, there's a way to normally boost mental health because you have issues, but you have someone who is always there to support you. So suppose you're uh, going through um, a season that gives you anxiety or probably depression, at the end of the day, talking to this person will always give you the support that you need. So even when things are not working well, at least you have a support system. And we know support really counts. It goes a long way. And so it also gives you um, some sense of belonging. You feel like you people were always there for you. Thank you. Thank you for um for that, Nina. And um, I appreciate how this is opened to both um friends and family. Um, to some of us who might not have um perhaps family that is that supportive. But also the aspect of friends, uh, what um is otherwise also referred to as chosen uh, family, people who you've picked as a support system and are able to be um there for you. And I want to throw uh, spanning the works in the same. Uh, topic in the same question around that feeling of belonging and well, uh, you know, and um, support. Do you feel like this is also um, found, or this can also be found on social media interactions? Spanning the works. Anyone who would like to go to that? Yes, I think yeah, it it really applies to even social media, and I'm talking this from experience. There are people that I've never met them in real life. But we've been talking for several years, two, three years like that. Some are within the country, some are in other parts of the country. And you find that whenever you need some kind of uh, support or information, sometimes you need somebody to really tell you the, the, what you really need to hear. And uh, you, I find myself just going to these people. I've never met them. We met online where you find that uh, there's a common topic. You both interact and you take the chat, the chat of the social platforms. You find that you have uh, common areas of interest. You continue engaging. So really social media can also, but, but uh, the same case that it applies to our communities, it really depends on how you interact with this person and whether the bond is healthy or unhealthy. Thank you so much um, for that. Not just opening it up that this extends to social media interactions, but also bringing in the disclaimer that um, we also need to apply wisdom in discerning um, the 
uh, you know the positivity of that interaction. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for um for that. Let me uh, move on, you know, to to the next bit of the conversation. As as I also um call on to the other panelists, where we bring in the aspect of exercise. This is something that is mentioned by almost every healthcare provider. Um, people need to exercise more. People need to engage um, in physical activities more. And uh, perhaps I'd like to hear from uh, the panelists. What role does exercise play, particularly when it comes to promoting good mental health? I'll start with uh, how people appear on my um, grid. Chantal, let me address this to you first. that um, when it comes to exercise, um, we, we, we've always been told that it's positive and good for our mental health. Um, as a person being, having been diagnosed with depression, uh, during my therapy sessions, um, when we have this conversation with my therapist and some of the ways that, because we all know that depression is a mood disorder and um, when we have this conversation with my therapist, he usually advises me that one of the ways in which I can I can boost uh, my serotonin. Serotonin is a hormone in the brain that elevates the mood. So he usually tells me that one of the way I can naturally boost my serotonin is through exercise. And um, the number of times like I have a totally uh, enthusiastic an enthusiastic exercise person but the number of times that i've tried i usually feel much better after after exercise exercising and i, and I can attest it it works so uh, scientifically it has been proven that when you exercise your your body tends to release some happy chemicals and at the end of the day where those happy chemicals or hormones tend to boost your your mental health you live and realize that after you've exercised and maybe you're feeling lazy earlier, your product productivity tends to increase, or if you are in a low mood, your your mood tends to be elevated. Yeah. So I think we have uh, exercise if people exploit it, and it does. You don't. It doesn't have to be really going to the gym or enrolling to the gym. It could be a, something as simple as a walk in the evening or early in the morning or a morning jog. Or even let's say, for example, you are at work, you could even stretch around the office, you know, move from one point to another or get, going to get a meal. Yeah. So when you when you engage your body and you you use exercise at the end of the day, you'll realize that it boosts your mental health positively. Yeah. Right. Uh, thank you so much, Chantal, for that. Um, and for also sharing your you know personal experience i think i could also attest to that um that when i've engaged in a physical activity there's this burst of energy that comes almost immediately um after after that workout i would like to also welcome other um, panelists to add on to that the role of exercise when it comes to promoting good mental health let me uh, you know direct this to naila Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me. Um, I believe exercise is very important in promoting your mental health. Uh, one thing I could talk about is uh, weight management because uh, I think that's very important because uh, when you exercise, it enables you to kind of um, 
improve on maybe your weight goals and then in turn it will improve your self-esteem so because low self-esteem also is attributed to a lot of our mental health uh, conditions or issues so it's very important in that aspect as well and um, also in regulating your sleep and um, when you exercise um you're able to you're able to regulate your sleep in that um it helps you you know after the serotonin levels are there you you're able to now get sleep for example if you're a person who experiences um inability to sleep maybe due to overthinking or anxiety or so many other issues that uh, you might be you might face so it's very important as well in that aspect um another aspect i think is um in exercising also helps you with your physical health so you're able to help um yourself with um maybe your cardiovascular health uh, regulating your if you are a person who may experience high blood pressure you're able to um improve on that so yeah i think that th- those are some of the reasons why exercise will also promote mental health as well because all those things are also linked to your mental health be it sleep be it um your weight or your physical health yeah and uh, also self esteem as well yeah thank you so much Oh um thank you so much Naila for that um you know complimenting um what Chantal had shared Catherine has uh, you have your hand up over to you Catherine Yes I've just remembered something I I hope I'm not denying anybody the opportunity to speak but something really just came to mind today is actually move for health day uh, which is a day that was created by WHO in 2002 to promote the use of physical activities for overall helping and with that in mind I do believe exercise is also a good way of connecting with your loved ones or even like-minded people. If for instance your way of exercising is dancing and none of your friends is dan- like around you likes dancing, if you go to a place where there are dance dancing activities, it's a really good way of you connecting with other people and also growing mentally and also intellectually and exercise is also a good way of breaking a pattern of of thought if you are maybe let's say you are stressed about your career and you're not able to think clearly about it because you've been thinking about it for a really long time when you go out for a walk you refresh and when you come back to it you have a refresh idea so back to today being men move for healthy i hope everybody gets to at least move even if it's for 5 minutes for us to not just be talking about the use of the, the need for physical for physical exercise to mental health but also implementing what we learn over to you wow uh, thank you so much katrin for that a call to action um has just been you know aired here that for move for health day today um we are all challenged to engage in some form of physical activity walking counts stretching counts um uh, yoga counts so uh, we have a, a challenge uh, for us um, here today um and thank you um for everyone who has contributed to that now still in a uh, in light of uh, creating awareness around mental health when it comes to the definition of um uh, mental health 
part of it is being able to work productively and fruitfully. Um, and this is directing me towards mental health in the workplace. Um, some of us spend a lot of time, uh, most of us spend a lot of time at work, particularly if you are working from the office. And um, it's important for us to address our mental health when it comes to the workplace. Let me direct this question to uh, Winfrey. Thank you for joining us, Winfrey. Um, how can we address mental health when it comes to the workplace? Yeah, thank you for having me, Pendo. It's usually an honor to be in this uh, platform, especially discussing v 2 ground as they are. And uh, even considering from where I'm speaking today to our dear listeners, I'm at work and um, raising that question of mental health. Yeah. Most people will hear them talking of a toxic work environment or some be like it's a healthy work environment. But so to say, even if you're in a healthy work environment, how do you maintain that? Yeah, because it can shift. <clears throat> it can shift very drastically. So I just want to start with how can you maintain a healthy working environment? Yeah. So this still revolves around your support, your support at the workspace. Yeah. This can be in terms of your either the team lead or even if you have supervisors, you know, if you have a challenge, do you have this person usually go to? Because at the end of the day, I believe we cannot know everything. Yeah, we cannot know everything. So it's okay to get that hand that can still guide you in terms of your career path and uh, what you do um, on day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so that is in terms of maintaining. The other aspect is after work, after work itself. Yeah, usually take time to reflect also on the good uh, good times you had or the positive things that happened. Because you find that most of the time we only reflect on the negativity with all honesty. Like today at work, my goodness, things didn't go well in the morning. But do also take time to look at the positives, really. Yeah, so it's very, very important. If you're in a healthy environment, please try and maintain that, so to say. Toxic environment, this is something we cannot run away from because it's said, yeah, in most cases, even with the clans that I see, this is something that is that is there and uh, we cannot run away from. So in such places, it's very, very important to recognize, okay, fine, as much as you're talking of toxicity, is it because you're hearing from person A and person B or is it affecting you directly or indirectly? Because being able to identify anything or any trigger that is where you start to find a solution from. So for example, maybe if you have, uh, either if it, even if it's colleagues, for instance, who maybe you feel they're not understanding you in one way or another, or even in terms of, you know, having a helping hand, so to say, there can be very many dynamics, but I just want to focus on that direction because I feel like with teamwork uh, in the workplace can really, really make it very, very healthy for everyone, yeah. So if you find yourself in such a place, what are you able to do Yeah, with colleagues or the people you're working with? So in that case is when um, you can really be able to figure out within the team, who are you comfortable with? Yeah, Because I believe in our place, it cannot be everyone with all honesty. Yeah, every little, everyone, no, 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 I don't think that's the case. So just try, just try and sit back, reflect keenly. Who am I comfortable with? Who, who can I talk to in this workplace? Who can help me yeah, in this journey? Because most of the time, feeling stuck or too much pressure um, 
is what can really ruin someone's day at the workspace. Considering it's where most of us spend our time, we really have to look into it. So if it's a healthy working environment, please try and maintain it, especially with either how you cope or the positivity that is there. If it's toxic, try and figure out the trigger. What exactly is triggering you? And just trying to find a solution around it, depending on what's uh, what's the trigger. Yes, so that's all on my end, Pendo. Thank you. Wow, um, thank you so much, Winfrey, for your input on the same. And I would also like to to uh, welcome other speakers to add on to that. Um, I think one of the ways you can address the workplace um, mental health issue is by, um, you see, the way you have bosses, I think first you can start with the bosses. Because I think if a boss is really, like, toxic, that work environment would, like, be that conducive. So you can start with the boss, boss and how he treats the workers and such. If the boss is kind enough, he can even like have a mental work days whereby you get to have like even a session where you get to have group activities as a um as workmates and such. And um also you can also have um activities such as going out as a work environment. Um cohort and such. So I think I will say it starts with the boss. And also another way, maybe for example, you can also add on having training and um, incorporating um, people um, doing exercises, like maybe for example, even a gym can be set up at the, at the workstation. There are some companies and um, brands which set up um, exercises whereby you can go to, after work, you can just rush to the gym and do and do a couple of things. So I think those are some of the ways that um, mental health can be practiced in workspaces. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Womboy, for uh, adding on to that. Uh, and I see two hands up. Let me uh, start with Chantal and then over to Catherine. Chantal, you first. Okay, thank you. So for me i would just like to add that um i think when we when it comes to workplaces we need to remember that at the end of the day our productivity is linked to how we are all of us mentally so i think uh, most workplaces they focus at the end of the day on productivity and they forget uh, about the mental health of the workmates because um, probably they have goals to achieve or there's a vision on the table to be achieved. So I think we need to turn that around uh, by, by doing this. We need to remember that um, the same people we expect to achieve a particular vision, they all have mental health. So we are supposed to prioritize mental health at workplaces and um, it should even be encouraged at workplaces uh, should be educated on the importance of uh, positive mental health uh, of the workers and even the employees and the employers, everyone uh, at large. So at the end of the day, if we prioritize mental health at workplaces, we, we'll even realize that workplaces will become more conducive for us and even our productivity will improve how we perform at work will improve, how we relate with each other at work will improve. Because you can even realize in most workplaces, some people don't even talk. 
you know others are competing others are backbiting others talking about the other person you know so at the end of the day if we harmonize all these negative impacts we'll realize that positive mental health and um, thank you, Chantal. I think we uh, lost you towards the end, um, uh, but thank you so much for your input. It, in terms of um, our mental health and the impact it has on our productivity um, at work, remember when I said that part of the definition of mental health is being able to work productively and fruitfully. Um, and thank you so much for um, adding on to that. Catherine, you also had your hand up. Yes, thank you. I think for me, when it comes to mental health in a workplace, I look at all the all the dynamics that are in the health, in the workplace, and I believe the best strategies would be you explore how does the workplace look like, what are the dynamics. You can look at the people engagement because I believe that I think that sometimes we look at uh, our way of promoting mental health as what employers should do, but we should also know that even as employees, we have a role in promoting mental health. Employee, employer, they have a role and the other way around employer to employee they all have a role in promoting mental health in the workplace when it comes to like people engagement we could we can look at how do the employees engage what are the different aspects that could harm mental health in a place is it generational gap is it the stages in the career where different people are treating each other differently if it's um, I, I think when it's an online where people are only working remotely they the challenges or the issues would be slightly different from a place where people are working physically at all the times. If it's an organization that's only based in one region, it could be slightly different from an organization that has different branches in different parts of the world. And I think with that, we should also look at the different people. Like for instance, what should employers do? What should employees do? What should mental health professionals do? What should be the labor unions do? The unions for, for, the, for the mental health workers, I mean, for employees, I mean, what should they do? What should the government do to promote safe workplaces for different people? Like the unions, for instance, they can champion for the well-being of employees by engaging with conversations with the different employers. They shouldn't just be on their side, just giving commands on what should be done for employees. They should also engage them in a conversation where there is a good exchange and you are able to hear from both sides such that when you walk out of that table, whatever decisions are made, they are favorable for all people. What should the government do? The government should also know that employees' well-being is important. So they should try to create an environment where their well-being, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> sorry, where the well-being of employees is, is well invested. They can create an enabling environment where employ, employers will be able to dedicate a certain amount of their income to promoting the mental health of their, of their employees. And then again, what should mental health professionals do? I think they should take that initiative of educating employers and employees about the dynamics of mental health in the workplace. They can talk about pay gap, racism, recruitment processes, workloads and all those things they should also when they do their research about mental health in the workplace they should not confine that information within themselves they should engage employers and employees in different forums and make sure that this knowledge reaches the right people so that change is seen otherwise if it's uh if they only find out what should be done and they do not relay this information to the right people then a few years down the line they'll still be they'll still be in the same position with no change, the same feedback, the same complaints and all those things. They should also, you know, just act 
uh, in promote like they should also do research in different aspects of of uh, mental health in different workplaces for instance is the mental health of people who are working in healthcare profession in in healthcare spaces like for a hospital is it different from those who are working in construction if there are slight changes what can the people who are in the different sectors do to promote the well-being of their of their people they should also try to educate people about the different practices that can be implemented if i'm a startup and i cannot afford to get uh, what i cannot afford to 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 give everybody a chance to connect with a psychologist for their mental health check-ins. What else can I do? So I, I believe mental health professionals should also come in and bridge that gap because sometimes people don't make change because they know they don't know what should be what should be changed or for or they don't even know if there's something that really needs to be changed. So that there's also that challenge amongst healthcare professionals to try to bridge that gap. And when it comes to the employee employers themselves, I think they should create a culture where feedback is encouraged. Feedback from the employees themselves, they should also be open to even introducing mental health trainings either amongst themselves or even amongst their employees. They should also be ready to learn amongst themselves. They can engage in different conversations about mental health, create policies, and also have feedback loops where if something is not implemented and uh, we, we are seeing the negative effects of maybe a policy not being implemented. What can we do? So they should also uh, be open to getting that. They should also be look out on the different work dynamics. If, for instance, we change from having a physical office and move to fully remote, what are the changes? How could that change affect the mental health, uh, mental health of, different, of different employees? How could it affect the mental health of a person who is uh, maybe 25 and maybe another employee who is 50? And when they explore those different dynamics, they should also engage the different stakeholders to see what can be done. That's all from me for now. And thank you. Over to you. Wow, um, thank you so much, um, Catherine, for uh, those powerful insights. I'm just reading from the uh, tweet. Someone is saying mental health can be improved by creating a culture where assertive communication is embraced. Employees are able to speak out and discuss issues affecting them. Trainings also can do a great deal. And uh, from what I hear is that uh, when it comes to the, uh, the matter on uh, mental health in the workplace, this is uh, is best addressed using a multifactorial approach. Different um, capacities have to come in to uh, promote mental health in the workplace. Um, and just to, uh, to you know, in furtherance of this um, session today, allow me to engage the audience. Each and everyone who can access the um, um, the, the expression reaction uh, button from your end. How many of us were exposed to mental health information, mental health uh, awareness when we were in school? Let me even start from as early as primary school. How many of us got exposed to some mental health needs when you were in school? If you're able to react, please uh, just do something on your, on your reaction. How many of us were exposed to the mental health message when you were in school? Wow. Um, I want to, I want to, okay. We have one reaction. Wow. Um, I want to uh, uh, assume that this is um, 
not that we don't know how to react or we are not reacting, but this is the actual data on the ground that only one out of the, the how many are we 19 listeners currently in here only one got exposed to the mental health message while in schools i don't know about you but i find that to be pretty concerning um and i want to in, in, engage uh, the rest of the panelists in terms of um this particular factor how can we improve mental health and uh, education and awareness um, in schools. Let me start with um, Naila. Yeah, hi again. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I would like to start with the topic of uh, um, invo involving the teachers because a lot of people have really expressed their concerns that when they were in uh, maybe high school or primary, they were exposed to a lot of uh, toxic teachers who would, um, who would maybe call them to the office and say, oh my God, you're, oh, you're not good enough for this, or maybe discriminate them in terms of maybe culture or religion. So if we first talk about how, how do we, involve teachers in this because they play a, a vital role in this aspect because uh, they are with them, the students, most of the time. So, yeah, involving teachers, that's the, that's the first thing I can think about. It's very important. And um, I think I saw a conversation going on, I don't know, sometime this year you know, on TikTok, people were coming out and expressing their concerns on, on how teachers really influenced their mental health when they were maybe in high school and just having that conversation. And um, it's really important to involve them. Um, having safe spaces as well uh, is another thing that you can use to improve mental health in schools, um, where are places where um, students can go and uh, express themselves and just... Um, be able to talk about how they're feeling, maybe what goes on at home. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, I carry on. I thought you were, you were done. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I can also share is uh, we've talked about people who were exposed to tools or, or information on mental health when they were, you know, in school. And you found that just one person had that. So see how very how important it is to have such tools and such resources um, and such information at our disposal. So I think that's that's another important aspect we should also look into. Yeah, thanks. Oh, um, thank you so much, Naila, for your contribution on that, on how it's, uh, it's important to first off um, look in the teachers when it comes to furthering the mental health awareness uh, agenda. Let me also hear from Nina from Sound Mental Health. How can we improve mental health uh, education and awareness uh, in schools? All right, thank you so much. Uh, before even giving out my point, I really want to echo what, what Nyline said, because um, let us now talk about Vitukwa ground. There are those schools in rural areas 
the underserved schools whereby you find um, the teachers also, they might have ability of identifying that a certain child probably has issues with learning. But research has also shown that 50% of the teachers in Kenya, they do not have skills to handle mental health issues. This means that the child will not be helped out because the teacher does not know what to do. And also the fact that teachers spend a lot of time with these children over maybe 12 hours also. And most of these teachers lack skills in um, answering mental health issues. So you find that most of them, they might extremely punish their children or probably even project the anger issues and such. So when you're talking about mental health in schools, it is something that should be accorded the weight it deserves. And we can promote mental health in schools probably by um, introducing trainings. Let us train teachers first, because even if we train the students, they have their skills, yes, but now the teachers are the ones who kind of guide them. So you find that the problem has not been addressed. So it is important even as we talk to students, as we create these mentorship programs, we also get to involve the teachers on the same. And also let us normalize health talks whereby a student has an issue, but they do not find it such a big deal opening up about it. Because now once they speak out, they normally get help. And the last issue that I really want to, to add, um, we can also say ensuring that students, just as they have clubs that maybe do drama, do songs let us also have clubs that talk about mental health issues and also wellness weeks whereby even as we talk about an environmental week can we have um, mental health weeks probably in schools also so that now we get to deal with the stigma that surrounds mental health thank you Thank you so much, um, Nina, for that. And I, I appreciate that you um, um, you contextualized it to be to a ground. This is how things are um, on the ground. And thank you so much for that. Um, I want to also uh, give Chantal an opportunity to add on to that um, uh, briefly uh, so that you can uh, move on to, to the next question. Over to you, Chantal. OK, so. Um I wanted to add uh, it's a practical aspect that I've I've experienced. So when we do, um, men, we usually have mental health uh, conversations in schools. So after the session, you get that these students come to me and uh, okay before during the session, I usually ask if there's an uh, there's an active guidance and counseling office within the school, and the teachers would respond yes. So after the mentorship, the mental health mentorship, um, I would tell the students in case anyone would want to open up or talk, they can come to me after the, the conversation and they can share what they are going through. So when the students come to me and share, um, I usually ask them that, why have you not gone to your to your guidance and counseling teacher? And they're like, she's unapproachable or he or she is unapproachable. So I think um, as much as we have guidance and counseling offices in school uh, most of them are not active and whoever is being appointed for that particular position needs to be someone who can connect and relate with the students at any level 
not someone who when a student goes and opens up and then at the end of the day they bash the student or make them feel as if their problem is too little you know because when it comes to mental health it needs more compassion and empathy so at the end of the day whoever is put in charge for such an office should be able to be empathetic and compassionate so i think we need to also address that yes Thank you so much, um, Chantal, for, for um, adding that. Um, I, I agree with that, with that message um, 100%. Some of us, um, you know, when you're in school, the guidance and counselor um, teacher, the one that you're supposed to approach and open up to, um, can is, is one of the most unapproachable people in the school. And you wonder where to even start if you're to consider that option. So um, several um, things need to be put in place to add on to that. Winfrey, I know you have your hand up as well. Let me hand over to you uh, briefly so you can create time for the next uh, question. Over to you, Winfrey. Thank you so much, Fendel. I'll try to be very, very brief. Yeah. This is just uh, when you, you know, when you inquired how many people, you know, went through mental health and education in any given time. But with all honesty, most of us none, maybe in campus, so to say with all honesty, at least that is where I saw clubs are surrounding mental health. And I think that brings us to the point where how physical well-being has been um, acknowledged. If someone has flu or malaria, they really go very proudly. Hmm? They'll even tell their boss, I have malaria, you know, let me take a sick off. And that even shows the magnitude of if awareness starts from school it can really bring about a lot of, it can eradicate stigma and bring about a lot of awareness. I mean, with physical, let's just think about it for a minute. Sit in school, yeah? We're always taught about communicable diseases, this and that, to a point it became a normalcy. Yeah, if somebody mentions something, you're already on the know. So I believe uh, that's a very, very uh, valid question. And thank you. I really hope we'll be able to reflect more on it and uh, in action in later years to come and mental health journey will be very, very seamless. Thank you. Wow, um, thank you so much Winfrey for highlighting that. It is just now hitting me that there's a lot of awareness around um, physiological uh, illnesses, but almost none when it came to, to mental health and that has played, played a key role in terms of um, uh, stigma and help-seeking behavior. So thank you so much, Winfrey, for, for bringing that up. As we were starting this conversation, um, we gave an opportunity to the panelists to say how they're doing on a scale of 1 to 10 when it comes to uh, mental health. And as we're coming towards the end of the conversation, I would like to invite one aspect, and that is what we can do in terms of uh, promoting mental health, self-care. What is the role of, of self-care when it comes to promoting mental health? Let me start by directing this to Wamboi. Um, I think um, self-care is really important in terms of knowing, first of all, knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. Um, I think probably maybe for me, um, one of my self-care is if I feel down, if I feel like I'm not well, maybe I, I just go and talk to someone. That is a form of self-care. Self-care can be something that you are comfortable with, not necessarily at a, um, you do something 
something that you have been seeing maybe on social media because other people are doing it, something that you feel you are comfortable with and you are happy when you are doing it. So um, one of the, another thing that uh, another self care that I can recommend is maybe even having boundaries. Such things are part of self care when someone maybe um someone accuses you or just belittle you or do something that you're not happy with, you can just have that boundary where you, you, you say you are not comfortable with such things. So I think it's more of protecting yourself from the world. That is self-care to me. So, yeah. Oh, um, thank you so much, uh, Wamboy, for that. Let me also invite um, um, Sound Mental Health, Nina, to add on to that. What is the role of self-care in promoting mental health? Hi, and thank you. Just before I add on that, I only want to say something regarding self-care. You know, as young people, when you talk about self-care, let us know that self-care has to be a normal and healthy behavior because maybe someone is joining themselves into substance abuse in the name of self-care. So even as we adapt these um, routines, let us get something that is healthy. And um, the role of self-care in mental health, we can say that when you take maybe time off, you've taken time to rest, you've taken time to recharge, that means that maybe you, you are able to manage stress levels, you also get to feel energized. That means if it is productivity, you're likely to perform well. And also it enhances the creation of better relationships, the way you relate with people. Because, you know, people respond differently. So maybe you are so exhausted, you're likely to be irritable. But when you take time off, you get to rest, you get to recharge. You also have an ability of um, enhancing relationships, communicating well, talk about rational decision-making, and also it enhances healthy lives in general because it has an input in your physical health. It has an input in um, the way you run your normal day-to-day -day routines. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Nina, for that. Uh, let me go over to Winfrey, and then uh, Chantal, and then we'll um, summarize with uh, Catherine. Winfrey, over to you. The role thank, of you. thank you, Brenda. Yes, the role of self-care and mental health. Yeah, I think I got it right. Um, when you look at self-care, one thing I know, and for the longest time, is used to manage either stress or even increase your energy levels, yeah? And I also, I'll concur with what Nina mentioned. It definitely has to be healthy. Because sometimes when we talk of self-care, oh, I'm managing my stresses or I'm increasing my energy levels, but what you're doing clearly uh, is not more on the healthy uh, bracket. Maybe uh, to the listeners, maybe uh, what I can challenge you in is looking at the eight dimensions of life. Because of time, I'm sure I won't be able to touch on all of them. But look at the eight dimensions of life, from financial, finances, to physical, to spiritual. And then also see how are you able to have self-care. Yeah, self-care on all those angles on the same. Because at the end of the day, you'll find the one that uh, really works for you. So in self-care, clearly, it really, really helps with mental health. And it's the natural remedy, actually, for mental health. You don't have to seek a professional at that angle. Yeah, so as much as we have the natural remedies for physical illness, yeah, or well-being, 
Yeah, so self-care is the natural remedy for the mental health journey. Thank you, Penda. Thank you, Winfrey. Um, I know you said you, you won't mention them in the interest of time. Um, let, me, let me give you an opportunity to just mention the different um, um, aspects, the eight dimensions. Okay. Not mm -hmm. even to dig deeper into them, but just to mention, uh, list the, the eight dimensions. Okay, thank you for giving me that opportunity once again. So we have the physical dimension, the social dimension, intellectual. We have emotional as well. Yeah, then we have the psychological dimension, financial as well. And the last one is uh, spiritual. Spiritual, I don't know if I've forgotten one, but I think those are the ones that comes to mind uh, very quick. Yeah, so thank to say, I don't know if, mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Winfrey, for, for, for that. I thought it's important that we, we hear mm -hmm. about the dimensions and for every, mm -hmm. Uh, we have different forms of self-care that fit the different dimensions uh, of life and it's important for us to now explore. Let me call it a seed that is planted um, when it comes to your self-care journey um, to go read more uh, and come up with something. Thank you, Winfrey, for that. Um, let me move on to Chantal uh, in terms of the role of self-care when it comes to mental health. Over to you, Chantal. Okay, so I would say it's, uh, my fellow speaker of covered most of it so i would just like to add by saying that um when you when you see life the way we've been wired it's like we're always in a rush you know it's like we have these deadlines to beat we have achievements to make you know it's like life is always on the move so you realize that most of us have adapted to that system and we really take a pause we really breathe we really charge we really you know and we think that when we pause for a moment, everything is going to fall or everything is going to just um, get ruined, you know. But for me nowadays, I, I have cultivated, I've cultivated a culture whereby in as much as I'm in rush of life, I always remember about myself. Because at the end of the day, you'll be in a rush, you'll lose yourself, forget to care of yourself, and then what next, you know. So I think we need to also adapt the concept whereby in as much as we are prioritizing the rush of life and everything around us, let us also learn to prioritize taking care of our own self, you know? And we, this one can also begin from the point that we, we love ours. You know, for you to take care of yourself, you have to know you're valuable, you're worthy, and you matter. You cannot take care of something that you don't appreciate. So let us also start appreciating ourselves, and automatically self-care will fall into our daily routine and our daily uh, lifestyle. Yeah, that's what I can say. Well, um, thank you, Chantel. Starting from self-love, um, and then we are able to practice self-care. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and finally, over to Catherine um, as we summarize the conversation. Catherine? Yes, I think most of the things that I really wanted to say have already been said, but uh, what I would want to add is that we should also normalize engaging in an act of self-care, not when we are feeling stressed, not when we are down, but as a normal thing, as a daily routine, or maybe a weekly routine. It could be that you sit with yourself for maybe 10 minutes, just 10 minutes per week to really just assess how you are doing, where, where you are heading to, 
I do see self-care as a as a way of connecting with myself. Like I'm speaking speaking this from my own experience as a way of connecting with myself because sometimes when maybe you are involved in the work, uh, maybe ten hours per day, you are you are doing something. It's very easy to lose yourself. You might find that you've worked in a certain place for a for some time. You are you'll still like the organization. You still like the people. You love what you do, but you don't really know who you are. If somebody challenged you to define yourself without touching on what you do or anything about your career, you find that you may not even know where to start. So I do see self-care as a form of connecting with ourselves. But again, I think we should also make it normal to just do something nice for yourself, to connect with yourself, not when you are feeling stressed or anything, but as a normal thing of just maintaining that touch with yourself. Thank you. Over to you. Thank you so much, um, Catherine, for that. And thank you for highlighting some of the things that we ought to, uh, you know, challenging us to be more in touch with uh, um, with ourselves. Uh, as you said, often when you're asked to introduce, um, you know, to tell more about who you are, a lot of times we associate with what we do for a living, what we're studying, um, and and hardly do we know what else to say uh, to that effect. So thank you so much for that. I want to appreciate each and every panelist who has been in this conversation, each and every listener who has joined, uh, to those who are new to this um, forum, to those who are repeat listeners, I want to appreciate you all. Today we are having a conversation on mental health 101. Um, and in... Um, in um, in recognizing World Mental Health Awareness Month, the entire of May, we will be having different conversations centered around mental health awareness. We invite you all to join us for our Mindful Mondays conversations, for our Wednesday Vituka Ground Twitter spaces. Engage with us on our tweets, ask questions, share resources. Let's create a platform where um, we further the mental health conversation. I want to bring us to um, the end of this conversation again with an um, call to action. You are told today is Move for Health Day. So the call to action is to engage in some form of physical exercise today, whichever that works for you. Um, if it's gym, if it's walking, if it's stretching, move for health today. So um, thank you, everyone. And um, this is the end of this session. Remember, your mental health first. And let's talk about mental health. Chifunguke.